Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you are keeping this show going. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a preschool-age daughter is afraid of her mother. But could what is in a picture taken of the mother be a clue as to why the daughter is afraid? A group of teens died tragically during a 1950s drag race. Could the ghosts of those teens still linger near the cliff where they died? Something is peculiar about the tour guides at a Titanic artifact exhibit. They seem to know just a little too much about that fateful night. And a teacher in the Philippines has a gift of connecting with students both alive and dead. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Greetings. How are you this fine evening? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm, I'm getting ill again. Yeah. Got my trusty little Zycam here that continues to fail me every time this season. You and your Zycam and your neti pot. You think you have a winning combination there. The Zycam used to work for me. Yeah, getting immune to it? I don't know. I mean, I used the the whole... Because I used to just take zinc tablets, and uh-huh. I still do do that. But uh, then the Zycam came out a couple of years back, and I thought, that's amazing. And it really... I felt like it worked the first couple of times I used it. Now it's like, man, it doesn't do shit. <laughs> yeah. My mother still swears by it. She thinks it's a miracle drug. And I don't know. I mean, I agreed until a certain point. And now it's just, you know, we have two little girls in our house that in the winter months are just kind of like little living breathing germ piles they are <laughs> that run around and you can't avoid it you know and I know some people have good luck with the Zycam I always felt like just for me and mm-hmm. this may not be true for anybody else but it, it was like if I felt like I was getting sick and I took it it no. just pushed back the start date of the cold it didn't like help it be less it just yeah it just, I'm like, okay, if I push this to next week, I'll just take Zycam and then it'll hit me next week. <laughs> now, I, I felt like it shortened the length of colds for me, but uh, I mean, they have proven that zinc does. It helps with immunity and all mm-hmm. that, but um, so I don't know. It's some colds you just can't beat and I'm just, I, I can't wait for cold season to be done because I hate it. <laughs> so especially when you have to talk for a living. Today's I'm okay. Today I'm like, I'm sounding decent. Uh, I apologize in advance for the next couple of episodes, yeah. <laughs> essentially, because I don't know how great I'm going to be sounding. Maybe you'll get to read some more stories the next couple of nights, or we'll have more calls on the show. I can do that. So uh, that's what's going on in my world. A ghost is possessing my mucous membranes. 
Right. That's what it is. I need a good leeching. Get the, uh, the spirits out of me. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, our phone number is 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write it on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, to share your real ghost story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It was interesting. The other day I talked about uh, libraries, and I kind of shared the story of my hometown library and the elevator door opening and closing. Uh-huh. By itself, nobody on it. I noticed uh, someone on the message board uh, also made a reference uh, to their library. They had the same thing happening there. And then some other folks were chiming in with weird things that would happen at their libraries, like doors closing by themselves. And it was just like a norm thing when you're a little kid. It just you don't really think a whole lot of it until you're older. I wonder, are, are libraries a hotbed for ghostly activity? I don't know. I think it depends on the library itself and individually. The age? Yeah. Probably the you know, the age of the building, how average age of the books, how old they are, you well, know. You know, it's such a mixture. I mean right. a lot of libraries, you know, have a good deal of very old books in them. So I mean I'm just wondering just with the sheer amount of objects that are in that library, what are the odds that some of those books could have something attached to them? I mean, I think pretty good if you were to just go in sheer number of objects for, that originate from different places and could have been used for different things. I don't know. I, 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 I never really thought of libraries as being all that spooky. Um, I mean, other than the Ghostbusters thing, but I never that never even really crossed my mind as a connection as a kid, even though I was really into Ghostbusters. I never really thought, ooh, this is like Ghostbusters and... Okay, this is a random thought, Yeah. but could it have something to do with the fact that when you're reading a book and mm-hmm. you're experiencing the emotions you feel reading this book? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying like a repair manual. I'm talking about like a novel or something sure. you get into. And because you're physically holding that when you're experiencing all those emotions, if a little bit of that goes into the book for each person that reads it. You know, I, I, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I don't know that that, that that is exactly the case for everything, but it seems that it would make some sense. Yeah. It's an object you'd be very close to, feeling a lot of emotions, and I could see that that being the case in, in some cases. That being the case in some cases, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's what I mean. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, and then you think of all of the emotions that are just going through every single book and the hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, who have read some of those books that are returned back to the same place. It can really be a hotbed. I guess so, yeah. When, when you think of it. I mean, if not for necessarily intelligent energy, but just energy in general. Well, yeah, I mean, I would think, I would think it's kind of the same type of energy category as like theaters sure so it'd be a good place for things to even manifest themselves almost like a giant battery maybe yeah it's an interesting thought about uh libraries i wonder how many of them are indeed haunted i wonder how many have renovation issues when they try and update themselves because mine was completely gutted yeah and it looks nothing like it used to when i was a kid which i'm sad about but uh I wonder if they ever have things like that that's like people don't want it changed or the undead don't want it necessarily changed. Yeah? I don't know. Interesting stuff. Audrey uh, writes in for our first letter tonight. Hi, Tony and Jenny. It's Audrey from California. I previously wrote in about my experience with five shadow people at my aunt's pronounced aunt home. I've been saying aunts a lot, even though I, I've professed to say I think aunt is better. 
Yeah. I don't know why. This time I'd like to uh, tell you about an experience I had when I was about 17 or 18 years old. This time it was a different aunt and my little cousins. My aunt and uncle just moved to my hometown from the L.A. area and it was difficult for them at the time. They had moved because of supernatural things that had been happening in their little apartment. They claimed to have been cursed by something, but I don't really pay attention to it or didn't really pay attention to it. I don't know how much of their experiences my aunt and uncle would like me to write about, so I'll just talk about the one I personally had. I'd offered to help my aunt run some errands around town, since my uncle was working all the time and she had two kids under the age of five. The main one was to go to the grocery store. We just finished and were going back to their home when we started. When she started telling me about the latest experiences she had just had earlier that day. She said as she had been cleaning her mirror in their living room, no matter how clean it looked, every time her fingers touched it, they would be covered in a sooty black film. I didn't really think much of it since the mirror was above the fireplace at the time. Once we got to her home, got the kids and the groceries inside and put them away, my little cousin, who was about five at their time, began acting funny. I tried to figure out what was wrong with her, and I offered her the toys she played with and snacks. Then my aunt tried to figure out what was wrong with her daughter. The little girl began screaming at her mom to get away. The look in her eyes changed, and anyone could tell that something was scaring her. I just so happened to have had a digital camera in my purse, and for some reason, I took a picture. In the image, my little cousin is clearly seen. Nothing weird or paranormal, but my aunt's image in the picture was solid black. It was so strange. Everything in the picture had color. The wall, the pictures on the walls, my little cousin's bows in her hair. Everything except my aunt. I asked her to go run her fingers across the mirror, and when she did, her fingers were black. It took a while, but my cousin finally calmed down and was able to get her to go near her mother. This is only my own personal experience. There are so many more that happened, but I don't know how much I'm able to tell. Thank you again for reading my story, and if I can, I'll write back with more experiences from my aunt. Do you think she was cursed to appear as a shadow person just to her children? in order to scare them and then something about the energy with the mirror bouncing back showing her what it you know what she looked like do I think the aunt was cursed Mm -hmm. why would the aunt be cursed because she they said they left their apartment because they believe they were cursed okay I see what you're saying now Yeah, it may not have been a thing of them being cursed. It may have been a one-person type deal. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, by uh, association and the fact that they share so much, the other folks are then suffering in conjunction with the ant. Because I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with the location or the mirror that was, you know, being touched. I think it has yeah. something to do with its attached to them and following them. I'd like to know more about why the ants cursed. That's just... It said that's what they believe. Now, I don't know. It didn't allude to them having, like, some curse actually put on them. They just tend to think things are following them. Maybe... Maybe curse isn't the right term. Maybe the mm. ant is sensitive in some way. Okay. But that doesn't explain why she would appear as, like, a shadow person to her child. Yeah. 
it would be more uh, more stories from that, and I, I know you, the the concern was it's not you know the writers hear stories and the the family, but uh, you can always write them in anonymously. We don't have to give out your name, and you can change names of people or just say him and her and things of that nature if you'd like to share more, and uh, we can uh, certainly you know, not give out the identity. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would like to uh, to hear more. Even more fun if you give them really strange names. You know, throughout like and name like maybe pet names, or pet something. names. Yeah, you know, like Fluffles and Muffles and <laughs> Fifi and all sorts of things that are typically associated with pets, but insert them into the human names to cover their identity. Okay, <laughs> that would just be fun to read. Yeah. Then one day, Fluffles looked at me and said, <laughs> "Be great." Toonses came down the road, and yeah. Uh, Tunes is the driving cat. Meow. I was disappointed that that was not a bit on the SNL show the other night. Yeah, they just had to go with their... Tunes was great. Tunes had its own video. VHS video. V-I-D-E-O. Okay. <laughs> I got it for Christmas one year, actually. It was like one of those, you know, SNL best of type deals. Uh-huh. And uh, I just... It was funny. Tunes is the driving cat. It was... Uh, Steve Martin, typically, and uh, who's the one I said there was in a show the other night that uh, wasn't necessarily included in the 40th special the other night? She was a really annoying woman. Um, yeah. I don't remember her name. I can't remember her name. Blonde hair. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was funny. Tunes has always crashed the car. It was great. Now, did, did I miss it, or was Chris Kattan on there at all as Mango? I believe they should have... Uh, a bit of Mango, but I don't know if he ever came out as Mango. Okay. Yeah. It was a good special. For being a, an anniversary special of some sort, I thought it was... It was too long. It was too much. Hey, <laughs> it let's... Was three pat, hours. Let's pat ourselves on the back because we survived 40 years. I thought it was done pretty well. I think there I'm was a lot... With you. I, I think there was a lot that could have been skipped over. Yeah, like Miley... Yeah, Miley Cyrus could have been done without, but... I think the revamp of Bassomatic... Oh, no. That was great. That was not. You didn't even see the first... I asked you, they're like, do you remember the first Bassomatic? No. You see, if you knew the first Bassomatic, Bassomatic would have a place in your heart. Okay. And then you see Bassomatic 40 years later. It's just... It's like reliving a, a, a place <laughs> deep, dark, in the bowels of your soul. Moving on. Of pass. All right, Mike writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. <laughs> Let me start off by saying your show helps me get through some pretty dull stretches of the workday. Whenever I'm having an update, uh, having to update Excel spreadsheets, work on our webpage, or dredge through my email, it's great to have something that's very well produced, interesting, and at times even amusing to listen to. I also love the random 80s references. Bassomatics more seventies, but I think I think you'll appreciate that. Thank you for that clarification. You two, I just want to say, yeah. you two are uh, like the Family Guy of Ghost Story podcasts. I have two quick stories to share with you from my childhood. The first was when I was uh, riding a bus to school, probably about six years old. I lived in a very rural area, so we were on the back roads of the school district, and the bus had to stop to turn around. I was looking out the window during the stop when I saw a translucent American flag, definitely post-1818, when we went to uh, rows of stars instead of a circle. 
fluttering in slow motion. Looking back at it, I don't see how it could have been a reflection off of anything. Too much underbrush, trees, and the bus itself would have been in the way. Any thoughts? Has anyone ever seen the ghost of an inanimate object before? Anyone? Do we want to discuss this first before we go on to the second one? Sure, otherwise I'm going to forget. Okay. Um, I haven't seen one uh, as far as a ghost of an inanimate object. Um, as far as that goes, what we've heard of are things more like trains or, sure, you know, people mover type Usually things. something connected to a person. Right, so. but I wouldn't say it's far-fetched to see a, a ghost flag because that is a, a huge symbol and is very emotionally... Charged. Charged. Yeah. So I would say, sure, I, I don't think that that would be something that couldn't sure. happen. Yeah, that, that, I agree. I agree. I, I can't think of any stories of objects alone. I, plenty of stories of objects that ghosts are holding or connected to that come and go. Um, or writing, you know, mm-hmm. which I think almost kind of, in a way, is like someone holding something, except they're writing in it. So... Uh, but by itself, no, that's an interesting one. So, and I would put that in a different category than like things that are taken over by an entity. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Second story, I grew up in an old farmhouse in upstate New York that dates back to 1875. My parents bought the place in 1971 after the previous owner, an 85-year-old woman, died after the clutch popped on her pickup truck and pinned her against a barn, putting a bit of a stigma on the property. I don't know about that. I didn't know about that as a child, just that the previous owner, an old woman, died here. I guess a seven-year-old didn't need to know the grisly details, but it might explain what happened to me one night. I remember starting to come awake, but not opening my eyes, yet something in the back of my mind was telling me not to open my eyes. Whatever I do, don't open my eyes. That feeling of a light surge of electricity was flowing through my body when your fight-or-flight instinct becomes aroused. Only I just lied there, frozen. I opened my eyes, looked straight out, and saw a gnarled, almost claw-like hand hanging by a ghostly white torso that looked to be draped in robes. I slowly tracked my eyes up and could make out folds in the robe, all in that ghostly white that stood out against the blackness of the night. I slammed my eyes shut before I got to the face. This is just an overactive child's imagination at night. I don't know. I do remember overhearing my parents talking about a ghost a couple of times. And for some reason, this memory and the one from the story above are still crystal clear in my mind 30 years later. Thanks again for the great show. Long live the green bastard. And when you're on the Oregon Trail and come to a river, always ford, even if it's nine feet deep. Okay, so the old lady being accidentally killed on the property. They're talking about the green bastard. No. So I'm not real sure how that relates to what he saw that night. I don't either. My only thing that I think maybe is if there was something going on with the property that could have popped the clutch and killed the old lady. Oh. That's something negative. Maybe that's that's what he was insinuating. Maybe. I just, it doesn't sound like it's the ghost of the old lady. Yeah, I was almost expecting to say that he was out there and he just like saw the torso of the old lady crawling along the side of the barn, grabbing at his ankles. 
<laughs> Biting. No. It's a biter. No. No, not quite. Not quite. But that's an interesting perspective where, okay, the clutch pops, which does happen on old vehicles by themselves. Um, and then she got pinned against the barn. Um, maybe that's what he's getting at. It'd be interesting if, if Mike, if there's another angle to that that we're missing uh, or a connection, please let us know. But, you know, it could be one of those things where, you know, you tell the story forever and ever and ever and you, you know it inside and out. You just think everyone's going to know that part of it. That's what you're insinuating. Or make that connection. Make that connection, yeah, because it's just second nature. So, thank you, Mike. It does obviously sound like there's something paranormal going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd love to hear more. That sounds like it'd probably be ripe for paranormal activity. (laughs) And, uh, yes, long live the green bastard. Um, By the way, Trailer Park Boy reference, everyone, in case you're playing along at home in Oregon Trail. For our younger listeners, that was a lovely little computer game that we played as children on Apple II computers in computer lab time. And you'd press one for your, or two or three or four for your choices and press enter, and then either your wagon would make it all the way along the Oregon Trail, which I thought was an impossible game to beat until you informed me that you could indeed make it all the way. You can. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, well, you are the one that likes to purposely crash your car in Mario Kart and stuff like that. So I just figured you sabotaged your wagon and your oxen and... I would take all the money. Yeah. I'd load up on money and, you know, and buy things that were kind of reckless. Yeah. So I, would, I would end up selling my family along the way. With a little planning, it's a winnable game. Did you know you could sell your family in Oregon Trail? It's like there's a pack of people coming you're making to, this to steal your... No. And you can barter your children you and your wife you for cannot. like wagon wheels. Cannot do that. <laughs> It's like a decent proposal over the Oregon Trail. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. And our kids were playing this. We were playing this. It's a, it's a, it, you have to put the cheat code and do that. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start. Really? Okay. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, Brendan writes in, over a year ago, three friends to a well-known paranormal location in the area called... Uh, Fitzsimmons Road. This road was used in the 1950s by kids uh, as a place to race their cars. It's a long, straight, narrow road that ends with a cliff on Lake Michigan. Since then, it's been blocked off and overgrown with foliage. Foliage. Back in the 50s, a group of teens in a convertible did not stop fast enough and plunged off the cliff. Their bodies were found in the morning, strewn across the beach below the cliff. None of us had been there before. We decided it would be fun to walk down the road late at night. My friend Jake, who recently passed, climbed to see a shadowy figure stranded down on one of the trails off the road. He began sprinting towards the figure. We ran after him, and by the time we caught up, he was standing in the middle of the puddle on a rock. The water began rippling around him and the dry fall leaves started to swirl around him in a circle. Upon witnessing that, we began to follow the figure through the woods. We eventually ended up back on the road to find a deer staring at us motionless, but three feet away, we continued walking down the road. We got to the cliff and started walking back. I looked back and noticed we were being followed. Three shadowy figures were keeping a steady distance behind us. We hurried back to the car. Once we got back to the car, I told my friends that I felt like I left something back on the road, but I couldn't tell what it was. 
They revealed that they felt the same way, like we had left a piece of our souls there. Thank you for reading. I have another story from my experience at Fitzsimmons Road. If you'd like to hear it, keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. I want to hear it, but I wouldn't suggest going back very much if you feel like you're leaving a little piece of your soul each time. It's a great place to picnic. Uh, no. I don't know. That'd be a very eerie spot. I, 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 I always feel a little bit unsettled. I'm also drawn to places that were once populated, if you will, or used in modern times. And when I say modern times, pretty much anything like 1920 and beyond mm-hmm. um, that is now sitting empty, whether it be a roadway uh, or a building. Okay. I, I especially enjoy it when it's just like, oh, one day they decided we can't use this anymore or we shouldn't use this anymore. And they just shut it down and people left. Very apocalyptic like. Okay. So I, it's interesting. I'd, I'd love to go check out that road and see it kind of grown over. There's probably like signs that are falling apart around there. and Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> There's something very creepy about it, but it's interesting because it's like just energy just stops. The, you know, life just stops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we may t- say that it stops, but does it really stop? Maybe just on this dimension. Yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting thought. So thanks for sharing that story. There's a couple. I was looking on uh, on YouTube. In fact, Adam the Woo uh, explores. Uh, there's a couple of roadways. I forgot where they are, but they're like long stretches of roadway. Uh-huh. Uh, like interstates. Closed, gone. Interstate's still there because it's really concreted over quite well. Um, but still, nature is slowly taking it back over. But it's really creepy just to see to see miles and miles of roadway that well-traveled. Why would an interstate or like a highway... I mean, I can see if they needed to make a larger highway sure. and they decided not to just go over the existing one and they go around it. Yeah. But like an interstate itself... I don't know. Um, and I don't know exactly where they are or what they are. I, I'm imagining there's probably a more prudent way of that was developed around some of these at some point in time and rather than try and keep up both roadways mm-hmm. you know the states just said it's using the one and it's cheaper to let this other one just go back to nature rather than keep them both up okay but there's still like signs and it's, it's very walking deadish yeah it's cool joe writes in hi guys i'm responding to your request for my exorcist grandma's stories unfortunately she passed away just last year and undoubtedly took with her an enormous library of stories that she did not get to share i'll try and question my family for those stories she did share with them and will definitely share with you the one she told me this particular story was a conversation i happened to have heard while my mom uncle and grandma uh sat and had a cup of evening coffee My mother started the conversation when she asked my grandma if she remembered the Whaler Woman incident, to which my grandma replied, Oh, yes, I remember her, but she was no woman, no woman at all. I can do the old woman voice better when I'm getting a cold. You don't do it well, even then. I can do Casey Kasem better, too, when I'm sick. My mom and uncle were teenagers at the time. They were coming home from the marketplace, and it was already dark out. Nighttime had caught them halfway home, and they knew they should have been home hours ago. 
They're rushing through the streets, trying to get home quick. The street was narrow and dimly lit with houses directly in front of each other. It was one of those old-school brick-paved streets, the kind of street you walk on, not drive through. As they approached the middle of the three-block stretch their house was on, they suddenly realized all the people were gone. All the doors were closed. The normally busy nightlife of the block was not there. Everyone was indoors. Windows shut, curtains drawn. They were asking each other what the heck was going on when a neighbor opened their window and yelled at them, Go home! Run home now! The whaler! Get your mother! Let me explain that the whaler is a legend, a myth, the story told to children to scare them into parental submission. But as my mom and uncle were about to find out, some legends are based on some kind of truth. They quickened their stride, but still more fearful of the scolding they were about to receive than any silly old legend. That's when they heard it. A woman crying not just crying, wailing, and screaming as if in a terrible, terrible pain, as if someone was murdering her that very instant. The sound sent a shock through their bodies, and my mom was frozen with fear. She couldn't walk or talk. Luckily, my uncle snapped her out of it with some brisk shaking and some colorful words as they started to turn towards their home. Just a block away, they saw her, coming around the corner, going door to door as if looking for something and just crying. She had a long black dress and a veil, long unkept black hair, a pale complexion and very thin arms. She floated swiftly from one place to another, all along making that horrendous sound with her mouth wide open. She sees them as they start to run, and the woman begins a long and deep howl-like cry as she starts to run towards them with her arms stretched outward, like when you're about to pick up a toddler off the floor. They run faster than ever before, and they made it to the door with a woman rushing after them just a few feet away. As the door opened, they fell inward and slammed shut the door immediately. My grandma, standing just inside the doorway, saw their scared faces, knew that something was wrong right away, and so they told her about the woman. My grandma had been napping, and she had missed all the commotion outside. She looked out the window, and there was nothing outside. The woman apparently was gone. She told them it was probably a crazed woman looking for charity, but just in case, she went to get her Bible and rosary. Was not a place to see a mentally unbalanced people just out, of, out about at those times, so it was explainable and reasonable. My uncle then heard my grandpa making his way home, and he rushed for her the door so he could go greet him and tell him what had happened. As the door swung open, a horrendous sight awaited. The woman standing at the doorway lets out a cry that seemed to come from the inside of their heads. Her face now clearly visible, a distorted version of a human face in torment, mouth wide open in the complexion and foul odor of a dead body. Her dead and grayish eyes would have paralyzed anyone from fear, but it was the energy emanating from her that sent both my mom and uncle to the floor crying. They described the feeling like an electrical discharge loaded with intense feeling and despair, misery and terror. Just then, Grandma comes out like a bullet from the back, crucifix in one hand, Bible in the other, and lunges straight into the woman. The woman's expression changed immediately from pain to anger as she flew backwards into the street, yelling angrily and then back to crying. Grandma chased that woman halfway down the street, praying right behind her. The woman disappeared into the darkness of the night, never to be seen again by any member of my family. But she was seen again by the locals a few towns away. There was a discussion that followed as to what they each thought that thing was. 
I'll keep it short by saying that my grandma believed it was a dark entity taking the shape of a local legend to feed on the emotions and fear of the people she encountered. This worked until she knocked on the wrong door. My grandpa was not home until two hours later, so whatever my uncle heard was not him. Thanks, guys. I'll do my best to gather some more grandma stories, but I do have some more of my own. Till then, Joe. I like the grandma stories. Joe's a good storyteller. I always enjoy his stories. and mm-hmm. he, Even from grandma who has passed on, uh, they're always very, very good. Yeah. Very uh, interesting. So what do you think? Do you think it was paranormal? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know of another explanation for it. Not just some random person wandering around the streets? No, I don't think so. It's interesting that it it just seems to find them, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of those things where maybe, I mean, I think the grandma might have attracted it. Not that she was, like, out there, like, doing witchcraft or something, you know, the bad type to try and draw things to her or anything, but, you know, I just think her being somewhat of a sensitive person, I think it's just, you know... Yeah. It finds them. They could see her light. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, interesting story. We would absolutely love to uh, hear more uh, of those. Meg writes in, most, go- most ghost stories I tell happened when I was younger and when I traveled with my brother and my parents. This one happened... When I went to the Titanic exhibit, you can even look it up. It's called the Titanic Aquatic Exhibit. Many interesting things, including interesting people. My mother and I began to talk to a very kind lady. She was wearing a pretty dress. She looked like she was a reenactor for the Titanic. My mom shared with the lady what she knew about the Titanic, and the lady would share her stories of the Titanic. It was about time to leave, and I bumped into another person who I thought was a reenactor. The man was dressed in a fancy, dark worker attire of the Titanic. He talked to my family for a while and gave us a tour. We were so thrilled about the reenactors, we informed the receptionist at the end how impressed we were. The receptionist became concerned. She informed us there were no uh, descents today. What is this? Docents. What's docents? They are usually volunteers or people that come and give tours at museums. It's an actual word. I I learned a new word today. Yeah. Did you know that word when you read yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. You're just smarter. No. There were no docents today. And she, did I say it right? Yeah. Okay. And she had to call security to check the area since these people were in the exhibit. We're very confused. Apparently we were not the only people to report the reenactors. Some people say spirits attach themselves to certain objects. I wonder if this is the case. It was then that my family and I found out that the Titanic exhibit was haunted. A few years later, I was very shocked to see that same exhibit show up on one of those paranormal shows. People had the same claims we had. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope to hear it on the air. And that exhibit, I believe, is still open at the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta. Is it permanent there? Well, it's been quite a while that it's been there, so I would venture to say, yeah, it's permanent. Okay. I don't think there's like a end date for the display or that it's going to start traveling. Interesting. And it's a, it's one of the largest, if not the largest, grouping of artifacts that were brought up, and it's pretty documented to be haunted. Um, you know, not saying that just because Ghost Adventures went there that that's a for sure, but sure. they had enough 
you know, a- enough activity that they sent them there, that the show sent them there. I would love to see that one. I know. Seeing how we were just there, I yeah. would have loved to have known that. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, that's very, very interesting. Um, I-, I was unaware of really any ghost stories that were connected to Titanic other than like the documentary Ghost of the Abyss, which was fiction. Um, but, uh, oh, that's that's really cool. I did get a chance to see one of the traveling exhibits when it was going around the country. I really wish I had seen the one in Chicago, which I was just young and stupid and idiotic for not realizing all that Chicago offered when I was 18 years old and living two hours away from it. Um, but uh, that would have been a neat one to see with a giant... That was when they had like the giant piece of the hull of the ship uh-huh. that was in it. Um, I don't know where that ended up landing because um, then it was a traveling exhibit that was going from major museum to major museum. I'm wondering if some of it's in this. I'm sure some of it's kind of got scattered to different museums. I don't know if it's still traveling anywhere. Well, and there's quite a bit at the Atlantic Maritime Museum in Halifax. Yeah, that's more. That's a permanent one there. Mm-hmm. And, and the stuff on this other one was a different, um, different exhibit. I, it was... I believe a lot of things that were brought up fairly recently. Okay. Um, and the Halifax one is stuff that was actually... What's so interesting about the Halifax one, if, if you're into Titanic, is the objects there are not things that they brought up from the bottom of the ocean, you know, 80 years later. Uh, these are objects that were brought up from the wreckage site. Right, that were floating. floating. Yeah, so I mean, it it's objects that are as is on the Titanic, not rotted away, not uh, uh, you know in, in horrible condition, and you know from years and years in the bottom of the ocean. Um, there's there's a there's the only full deck chair mm-hmm. that uh, was on the Titanic that's in full working order, uh, and what was most shocking to me was the piece of the grand staircase. Yeah, a huge piece. I was unaware that that was ever found or survived. Um, but you walk around that corner, and then there's like a giant piece of the uh, the woodworking of the grand staircase. And it's so interesting to see it in color, <laughs> if you yeah. will. You know, because you see, I mean, there's all the colorized versions of it. But, um, you know, the, the real pictures of the ship are all black and white. And then to actually see what that is in real life was mm-hmm. really quite amazing. If you're into Titanic, as you can as you can't tell that we are at all, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely something to uh, to see at some point. Uh, our phone number is 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Nicole writes in, hey guys, first off, I'd like to say that I love your show and keep it up. I'm quite new and have been binge listening to you a while. I'm in class. Don't worry. It's hands-on and we're uh, kept to ourselves to do our work or when I'm getting ready in the morning. Anyway, a little background. I'd always been sensitive to the paranormal and had gone to a school where a lot of students had died due to the earthquake in the 90s. I was uh, in the sophomore year of high school, and since my school had the schedule of an a.m. and p.m. shift of classes, the a.m. shift of classes from 6 a.m. to 12.50 p.m., well, p.m. shifted classes from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. I was in the p.m. shift. Every year, our school would hold a Christmas show that the students were required to be in the show. Most of them would sing while the others were in the cast. So the students were split up into groups, sopranos, altos, tenors, bass, while the cast were free to roam around. Since I was in the cast, I had just decided to sit in with the altos and the sopranos at the p.m. shift. The altos and sopranos 
were gathered in one classroom with the chairs facing the door. I take a sit with my friends and the sopranos sitting directly in front of the door, occasionally singing with them for fun. A couple of minutes had passed when I started to feel sleepy, so I rested my head on the table as we took a break. As my head rested on the table, I just started to stare at the floor outside, waiting for sleep to get me. That was when I saw a shadow approaching. Take note, the room we were in had the board right next to the doors of the room, so you couldn't actually see who was coming unless they actually passed the door itself. I automatically assumed that maybe it was one of the cast who was looking for me. I keep waiting as the shadow comes closer, expecting a pair of ballet flats and white socks, the required shoes for the uniform of the girls, but instead, all I saw was a feet. Bare, bruised feet. I furrow my brows and slowly raise my eyes just as the girl passes through the door. Her uniform was the same as ours, yet a bit different. Aside from the plain gray skirt, hers had a red piping on her hem. Her skirt was ripped and her dirty hands were limp to her sides. Her her supposed white blouse was dirty as well and had patches of brown in them. Before I could see her face, she had already passed the room and I could hear one of the girls ask, What was that? I raised my head quickly, standing up and walking out the room, only to be met by the locked doors of the disciplinary office and an empty classroom. I go back to the room and one of the teachers asks me, You saw it too? She asks, but immediately shuts her mouth, knowing that she shouldn't have said that. Now we were in a room with panicked girls, all being scared since it was also getting quite late. The same teacher who had asked me if I saw it too had told us quite hurriedly to gather our things and go home. The next day I had some stuff to submit to our principal for the Christmas show. When I had heard some of the seniors muttering, Did you hear that Mrs. Gomez, not her real name, saw one again yesterday? I furrow my brows and turn to them. Um, excuse me. Uh, Ati, uh, what do you mean about Mrs. Gomez? I had asked her, being the curious and nosy one that I am. The two upperclassmen had looked at each other worriedly before one of them nods. It isn't really a secret, but Mrs. Gomez can see ghosts. She told me. So you mean she saw it too? In a slip of the tongue. They looked at me and asked me if I had seen what she saw, and I nodded. I share a brief moment of them asking me about what I had seen before. I thank them and scurry away to the office. I had continued to the office, knowing that what I saw yesterday wasn't just my mind playing tricks on me from my sleepiness. I entered the office with the teachers all busy at their respective desks. As I passed them and greeted the ones that I saw, I gave the principal the things I had to submit when one picture caught my eye picture of a class with the same uniform I had seen yesterday. The gray skirt with the red piping on them on the hem. I felt my heart stop when I had turned to the principal. Excuse me, ma'am? I voice down and she looks up from the files on her desk. Yes? She asks. What class is this picture from? She looks at the picture I had pointed out before telling me, oh, that's the class that had died in the earthquake. She said solemnly. I look at the picture wide-eyed before taking my leave. That day wasn't the only time I had heard about Mrs. Gomez seeing or hearing things. Again, I love you guys. Keep up the good work. I'm planning on becoming an EPP after I finish listening to all the episodes or when I get my paycheck. Feel free to inform me if you want to hear more of my ghost stories from my school or from the numerous houses that I've lived in. 
That's terrifying and so sad. I want to hear more. Yeah, definitely. That's terrifying and sad. Tell us more. Well, <laughs> you know. It is. It is. It's terrifying and sad. And I take it this was in the Philippines? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not at all surprised, you know, that, that there'd be activity like that going on when you have the sheer amount of, of death and carnage in one spot, and, and especially young death. Yeah. And all that energy and all that life that's just gone suddenly. And then, oh, new school pops up after the earthquake. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd imagine there's there's more than just the one girl. So my question, being that the teacher kind of, after she said you saw it too, and then didn't, she kind of, it seemed like she regretted saying that. Is that something that people don't talk about a lot over there as far as... You know, being sensitive, is that something you kind of keep to yourself? Or is that something a teacher wouldn't share with her students? Because I would think around here, you know, if something like that happened and a teacher saw a ghost at a school, that that wouldn't be something that would be that, I guess, that secretive or shrouded. I think they would immediately take the teacher in for drug testing here. I could see that. If she was openly sharing that with her students. Yeah, but I just didn't know if that was something that's not open to talk about. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I think it really, I think in almost any area of the world, it's one of those things where it's about the company you're keeping and who you can and can't say that stuff to. Right. You know, I'm sure it's probably the same over there. I don't, I wonder what the social norm is. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like a different standard of don't talk about it because it could bring it out. Or a different thought process to it, not like don't talk about it because somebody may think you're crazy, but don't talk about it because everybody believes in it and you don't want to call these things back out. I could see that. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like since, well, since the movie The Sixth Sense mm-hmm. and then the subsequent TV shows about, you know, people that have abilities that or claim to have abilities and and talk to the dead or see the dead that that's kind of almost normalized it here you would think so but there's still you know (laughs) that's why our show exists because i know i know i'm just wondering culture culturally yeah if there's a huge difference over there i wonder i wonder what that is like and, and what, like I was saying, like what the reception is and why the reason for the reception. Because we get a ton of stories from the Philippines. Sure. The Philippines and the UK outside of the US are our two biggest sources for stories. Yeah. So I just didn't know so, how I, I, that goes. Maybe the, you can fill us in the next letter mm-hmm. as far as how that, what that, that cultural norm is there. I'd be very curious. It'd be interesting to hear that from all different parts of the the world. It's Australia, a, too. We yeah. get a lot from there. Yeah. John writes in, hello, Jenny B and T-Dog. I love hearing Tony read people's curse words and listeners' ghost stories. It's comical. <laughs> I would love for Jen to write and read another ghost story with the same concept as the farmer one she did around Christmas, except with a lot of swear words. No. I, <laughs> I really, it's unnecessary, unnecessary swearing. Would be great. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I'm surprised she hasn't done another one. Do you have another one in mind at some point? Have you been thinking about this? I don't right now. Okay. 
It can be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is John in Virginia. No, not the one you're thinking of. I'm a different John in Virginia. I don't have another John in Virginia in mind, John. I'm not sure. Uh, I uh, guess there's a lot of Johns in Virginia who like your podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about my deceased cat, Daphne, named after Daphne from Frasier. Ah, there you go. I watch Frasier every day of the week. I know Tony likes his Frasier. Ah, there you go. I found Daphne when I was uh, uh, when she was 10 days old with the three other tiny little kittens whose mother was hit by a car. The entire time I had Daphne, I believed I also had a ghost cat. Over a 12-year span, there was probably over a couple hundred times I either felt a cat brush up against my leg and look down to see nothing or lying in bed watching TV and feel my cat jump on the end of the bed and walk towards me, only to reach behind me to pet her and she not be there. Among several other similar instances, it never scared me, but it was always curious to me. Father's Day of 2014, I woke up to find my best friend and beloved cat Daphne deceased lying on the porch cried my eyes out while I wrote her a note to be buried with and dug her a hole and put her in the final resting place. Since Daphne's passing, I've had zero experiences of feeling a cat touch me or walk up behind me. It's almost as if the ghostly cat presence came and left with Daphne. I wonder if this was her mother who was killed by a car. At least that's what I'd like to believe. Thanks for reading my story. I'll become an EPP soon. Thank you. I enjoy your podcast a lot, and you deserve uh, the help from your listeners to keep the show going. Thank you for the uh, the kind words there. You know, I wonder if that is the mama cat, you know? Can pets be haunted by other pets? Like, their family? There'd be a... Then, like, almost every cat is guaranteed to be haunted by at least one (laughs) sibling. You know, considering some cats have, like, 300 brothers and sisters. Sure. You know, I don't know. I wonder if it had something to do with the mama cat dying before the the babies were to the age where they could actually be on their own or leave home and fend for themselves. Yeah. If she's going to be ever present there looking after her kitten. That's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. Of the, the cat ghost parent watching out for the kitten. It's entire life. Because most cats, mama cats, kick the cats out. Sure. At some point, and they want nothing to do with them once they grow up. Um, but if it's always viewing it as a kitten, it's interesting. I, I a whole new concept on, on ghost animals. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing in uh, the story and, and naming your cat after a character in Frasier. We can get, we get like... What is it? Six cats or so, and named after all the characters on Frasier. Or not? We can we can make a little cat apartment in the garage and make it like the set of Frasier. We can sit out there and watch it. Like, look at Frasier and Niles. Our one cat, Bubbles, mm-hmm. is good enough. Frasier is is humping Niles. What's going on? That's just wrong. <laughs> Anonymous writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. I'm from a big fan of the show and love listening to it. I've gotten a ton of my friends listening to it as well, and it's fun to talk about the really scary ghost stories and what sort of monsters may be lurking out there. My story's a little sad in a way, but I remember it fondly because of the uh, funny little bit of ghost lore I learned from a neighbor. When I was very young, my father was still in the Navy, so we moved around a bit. One of the places we lived in was Japan, and for a short while, we actually didn't live on the naval base, but in a normal Japanese neighborhood in a traditionally built Japanese house. I don't remember much other than playing with a toy car, 
uh, on the uh, Tatmi mat and uh, getting yelled at for coloring the paper on some of the doors inside. And I definitely remember that it was very cold in the mornings. Still, it was a fun house. I spent a lot of time playing with my next door neighbor and talking to his mom when my mother was teaching English in the house. When I was about six, I had a hard time socializing with other kids, namely because at that age, I only cared about drawing, The Lion King, and a few cartoons that I recognized, but didn't understand because they were in Japanese. I didn't like to run around or be outside. However, once it snowed, I was always excited to play outdoors and finally run around and get exercise. Naturally, my parents encouraged uh, this whenever they could. One snow day, when my father was home from work for the whole day, I spent the day with him making snow animals. He made a huge sculpture of Simba for me from The Lion King, big and well-compacted enough for me to climb on top of and ride like a pony if I wasn't being too vigorous. There were a few other snow animals that we made, but after a long day of playing in the snow, we eventually went inside. A couple nights later, my mom was taking a nap and my dad was at work, of course. I saw someone outside the front of my house, got in all my snow gear and went to... uh, uh, vi- uh, valiantly defend my snow animals and stomped out to find a boy that was a little bigger than me. He seemed perfectly normal, Japanese kid with a really light and ratty looking coat and he was looking at Simba like he was trying to figure out what it was. I marched right up to him and asked him what he was doing in my front yard and he spoke back to me in Japanese. Now as a child, I was actually fairly good at understanding Japanese through context. Children are very skilled at that. But even though this kid was speaking to me in a very solid Japanese with very few other body cues, I understood him as clearly as though he was speaking in English, and he seemed to understand me when I babbled to him right back in English. He asked me about the Simba, so I uh, fervently told him all about the movie, extremely excited to tell him because that was definitely my favorite movie. At some point in the conversation, I had idly noticed that the boy didn't seem to have feet. His form faded away from mid-shin down. I asked him about that, and he didn't seem to clearly answer, responding with some uncertain mix between, I don't know, and I don't want to talk about it. After a while, he complained that he was cold, and I told him to come inside and we could call his mom so she could come pick him up and let him to the front door. I climbed up the step into the house and he just stared at the step quietly. As I was sitting on the step and pulling off my snow boots, I looked up and he was completely gone. I looked out the front door and didn't see anything outside. I told my mother about the experience, and when I described him as having no feet, she seemed to think that I was talking about an amputee kid and encouraged me for uh, befriending him anyway and said that she hoped uh, he went home after that. I didn't think anything of it until I told my neighbor the same story, and she laughed lightly at me. She said that uh, the reason the boy couldn't come inside was because he was a ghost, a ghost, and ghosts don't have feet, so they can't climb steps. It didn't seem to bother her too much, at least so I doubt she really believed it happened. I have no idea if the ghost can't climb steps is any common superstition over there, like the superstition that if you whistle at night, you're inviting a burglar into your home. I think about it a lot when I think of Japanese ghost stories. Anyway, thank you for sharing this story, if you do share it. May any encounter you two have with ghosts be a benevolent encounter. That's very interesting, the different, um, I guess, lores with ghosts in different countries. Mm -hmm. So Japanese 
ghost lore, they don't climb steps. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think about stories where, well, you and your your ghost that lived behind the wall mm-hmm. would go up and down the stairs. So yeah. that doesn't work here. <laughs> I always try and, and think, hmm, I wonder if there's something to that here. But I don't know. I think it's cute with no feet asking about it and he just kind of not answering. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for the ghost kid. I don't want to talk about it. I don't have any feet. It's like how hard uh, we were uh, driving home from the airplane restaurant. Mm-hmm. What did we ask her? Oh, we were trying to feed her. Okay. Because she played. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of wanting to eat dinner. So we're trying to feed her dinner on the 20-minute drive home. Yeah. And she decided that she not only was not going to eat, she let us know she was not going to talk about it. Yeah, because she likes hamburgers. Normally, it's like her favorite food. And we had a hamburger for her. And she was eating some of the French fries. And I said, you want to bite your hamburger? No, I'm not going to eat hamburger. But Harper, you love hamburgers. They're your favorite food. I'm not going to talk about it, Daddy. For somebody that turned two and a half yesterday, yeah, that was quite a statement. She automatically won that argument because we died laughing. So it's hard to to argue with a two-year-old when you're laughing that hard. She's an old soul. Yeah. So many things about her that she just says, and it's like, where did you figure that one out? Or where did you get that? It's like... Very grown up. She loves cheersing our cups, too. Yeah. I don't know where that ever even came from at all. I don't and know. All of a sudden, this one day, she's like, I want to cheers. And she has a little Kool-Aid cup and wants to cheers. <laughs> My favorite now, she wants to cheers everything is, I want to cheers our ears. And she literally wants us to rub our ears against each other <laughs> and cheers our ears. Cutest little girl. Anywho, that wraps up our show for today. Uh, if you want to become an EPP, support the show, please keep it on the air. It's only five bucks a month. Sign up at the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. You get 25 bonus episode, episodes uh, within a couple of hours of signing up. It'll be emailed to you. And of course, a brand new email uh, every single week with a, a new bonus episode. New one coming out again tomorrow. Brand new EPP. So uh, get on that now so you don't miss out on that. Sign up, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, Hopefully I have a voice for uh, Jenny Bruski. I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.